When I grow up, I want to be a contractor because I like building stuff. I, when I grow up, I want to be a stunt double. I want to be a YouTuber. Ray, how would you feel about working alongside a robot? Okay, will this thing be my little buddy? Or will it work alongside me, watching my every move as it develops self-awareness and then plots to replace me? Um, I don't think you have to worry about that. In fact, I have a robot here to help us with the opening. Oh, yeah? Hi, Ray. How's it going? Seems friendly. Hi, Sean. How are you? Good. Hey, you want to read the next bit for us? Sure. Today we're exploring how service robots can boost efficiency and augment, not replace, human capacity in a range of industries, including healthcare, hospitality, education, and podcasting. Wait, what? Welcome to WorkShift. Hey, that's my line. As you know, with any automation or any digitization uh, weave, there are always concerns about labor and the challenge or uh, are we replacing people. What we see in the service robot, it's not replacing people, but it's kind of a transformation of the roles and job. Digital disruption. The gig economy. Artificial intelligence. Robots. And now... COVID-19. What does it all mean for you? I'm Sean McEwen. I'm Ray Harapal. We're exploring the future of work and changes you can expect to see at your job. We'll tell you how this massive digital shift could change your career and what you can do to adapt, evolve, and thrive. In this episode, we find out why businesses, big and small, are turning to service robots to make them more competitive and efficient. We're talking to Rami Wiebe, the co-founder and chief technology officer at Global DWS, a systems integrator and solutions provider focused on cloud computing, AI, the Internet of Things, and mixed reality. Global DWS has partnered with George Brown College to deliver service robotics education. We'll also hear from Tanya Spazic, the owner of a vegan restaurant in Toronto's East End who's using a service robot to help her with deliveries. Movies and popular culture have shaped many of our perceptions of robots, but how does this technology affect us in the working world? Rami Wiebe of Global DWS is an expert in emerging tech and has 20 years' experience helping organizations with tech transformations. He breaks down exactly what service robots are and what they can do. You can consider service robot as a digital colleague to human, where it can work hand-to-hand with the human, focus on the certain areas where there are repetitive tasks and that uh, human, they, they are not advanced in that area, that service robot will fit mainly about the flexibility, speed, how to scale that enterprise, and how to be able to empower people with the, with the taking faster decision. Mainly you see service robot as a, as a new advanced computing system in anything related to a routine task or repetitive task where like a human will focus more in advanced intellectual activity. Service robots can interact with people and they're great at taking on repetitive tasks. They do this through advanced computing systems with artificial intelligence, autonomous navigation, custom vision and voice interaction. 
Global DWS provides a range of service robots, like event robots, reception robots, scanning robots, safety and security robots, and robots that can assist teachers in the classroom. Rami explains how they work. When we have any service robot, you have to define what is the value that service robot will do. Because at the end, you don't need to add just complexity to any environment by importing any new computing system. So today, when you look to any organizations, different organizations, they see huge value from service robot to support a different activity. Like I can give you about literacy robot, like where like robot can answer certain questions that people are asking about certain services in that organization. So as you know, many times, many scenarios where people have to wait to get direct access to human and in different locations in different zones. So consider if you are in a big event or in a registration period or where you need to do a certain, you need this answer to be able to take decision. Either you have to wait online or you have to do so many things to be able to get the access or to that information where the service robot can be set in the front answering people directly with that voice interaction capability with it, and that robot will continue uh, learning and understanding what kind of questions so this is one area of that uh, literacy there is also another area where we had opportunity to, to work with different school board we asked them where where we have some friction in the education they mentioned there are certain as you know in our uh, region there is a challenge on the number of teachers and students access those teachers, especially with the repetitive tasks. We had opportunity to work on one of the robots to do like a reading assess assessment for kids. So what I mentioned here, when we talk about something, we call it uh, ERA, uh, Education Reading Assistant Robot. It's a robot that empowers teachers and the students in their reading uh, skills, like where the robot will help students to read and assess their reading skills and competencies and that the robot will be able to review all their reading mistakes and using the same methodology that teachers follow in, a, in scoring their reading skills and give the teacher the score directly so the teacher will focus in educating teacher uh, students in a certain area. So they don't need to spend that much time with each student to read. However, the teacher will focus more in providing the quality of education to those students. So that's where the robot can augment the teacher's competence and capacity and be able to support the students in their reading uh, development. In fact, George Brown has a robot called Georgie from Global DWS, and I believe Georgie's a full-service robot, correct? Yes, you're right. And uh, we have we had the great experience with uh, Georgie Brown, which we're advanced in this domain to adopt this kind of service robot. <clears throat> when we started the project with uh, Georgie Brown, Georgie Brown came to say, asking, how can I empower my students? How can I support my students in their life cycle when they start with our educational organization? So we found that Georgie can help in engaging students in promoting certain ideas to, to, to help students in, their, uh, in different stages in their education. So I think it's a good starting point. And uh, Georgia Brown put a strategy like we'll focus on first step, how we can empower, how we can inform students, how we can interact. And when students need more advanced services, there will be human to support those students. But I think it was very successful a project and uh, Georgie is doing a great job. Before COVID-19, Georgie greeted guests and provides information at college events and visited across the college. 
Georgie lives at our Teaching and Learning Exchange, or TLX, and we're sure our robot is eager to get back to work. How would the introduction of service robots affect your job? Do you have anything to worry about? Rami explains. As you know, with any automation or any digitization uh, weave, there are always concerns about labor and the challenge or uh, are we replacing people. But as you know, like to, and I can give you more supportive information, the, what we see in the service robot, it's not replacing people, but it's kind of a transformation of the roles and job. Instead of having people to do those repetitive and low-end activity, the plan of any robotics change is to move people to do more advanced job and focus on added, adding value activity and move the service robot to do that kind of uh, repetitive task. And at the same time, based on that uh, statistics that uh, we have it like released this, this month, what they found that by adopting more and more advanced robotics, it will increase the economy and it will be empower organization to have to generate more revenue, not to replace people. So it's not about uh, cost optimization. It's more about be more competitive, more advanced and more efficient in doing the business. So I don't think it's uh, about replacing people. It's it's more about how to augment the human capacity to do more advanced job to make those companies more competitive and more agile. And if you like also in our strategy, when we deploy any service robot project, we put something we call it organizational change management because we focus on the human. Like when we adopt any automation project, we will look to the human about people and we help those uh, People how like people how to do to do the shift either to train the robot or to supervise the robot and to continue to be part of the development of those advanced technology, not to replace people a human factor in that organization. So this is at the same time there is risk that there are certain activities which is completely predictable tasks that will be replaced. But that doesn't mean that a human will be replaced. But that task, as you know, in many digitization and automation, there was a replacement for a certain uh, role, but not to that a human. I think part of our responsibility at the, org at the community, at the organ educational organization, how to help people to be advanced and more competitive in supporting those change and those waves in the, with respect to digitization and automation. It should be it's a, a enterprise organizational change management. So it's not a one team responsibility. It's a HR. It's a leadership. It's a, the the culture wise. So I think when we have a complete organizational change management practices that will consider all the factors from policy, from process, from the human. Uh, like at that time, I think this is, will be a successful adoption for any kind of automation, and especially the service robot. A Statistics Canada report released in November 2020 shows that between 1996 and 2017, companies that invested in robots employed more, not fewer, workers. Firms had a 15% higher employment relative to their industry's average performance after adopting robots. Rami says service robots can make companies more efficient and competitive. This goes for small business as well. Tanya Spazich is the chef and owner of Animal Liberation Kitchen, a vegan restaurant in the east end of Toronto. In October 2020, she started using a small pink robot named Jeffrey to deliver orders to the surrounding neighborhood. Jeffrey is made and operated by Toronto-based company Tiny Mile Robots. 
It's still beginning, so we don't really have more than one to two orders a week. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, like, uh, I know that's going to change because, you know, people will realize it's, it's really uh, supporting business, supporting small company that grows in Toronto. And it's just, uh, uh, it's amazing uh, right now during the COVID because you can literally do curbside pickup and you don't have to deal with a person. Yeah. You know, like uh, as a customer, you just go in front of your house apartment and just, you don't have to touch them, but you just wave the lid opens and you grab your bag. So it's no, you know, like contact with a delivery driver or person delivering. So I think that's really plus. And of course we are like, I mean, it's such an amazing opportunity to, you know, like uh, extend your reach to the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, just technology is amazing, you know, like, uh, of course, we would like to say hi to Robert every day, you know, like, we come to, it's just a, you know, like, fun thing. Find more information about Tanya and the delivery robot in our show notes at georgebrown.ca forward slash about forward slash work hyphen shift hyphen podcast. Does the industry you work in have growth potential when it comes to service robots? Rami outlines the sectors where this technology is taking off. Well, I see in which industry, like there is also statistics that shows how the increase on the number of service robots between 2017, which we started around less than $10 billion in, uh, in sales in, in, in U.S., now we see in 2021, the, the like 20 between the prediction between 20 to 21, it's around the 20 billion dollar in sales of the service now the main area that we have a very good and successful story about logistics and uh, in the medical in the agriculture in defense where are the area where there either there is a lot of repetitive tasks where we have risk on a human where are no enough labors i can give you example like uh, last year we were in ottawa in the uh, uh, tourism um, congress where the 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 hospitality raised the flag that they don't have enough resources to do work on hospitality. So that's where we see in areas on the hospitality, the service robot can help and fit in, in, in this industry to help people to, to do the job. So we see a big success in logistics, on the agriculture, in healthcare, in defense. And if you ask me as a global DWS, we have very successful story in the senior home where we have the same challenge about labor, and we found in the senior home, there are many areas where service robot can support the, the administration. They support the team at the same time, engage the seniors and keep them connected to their families and do a lot of advanced job. There's great potential for service robots in the healthcare industry. Global DWS created a made in Canada robotic solution to the COVID-19 pandemic. So we we were able to create something, we call it a disinfection service robot. And the idea came to build this robot completely in uh, our uh, organization because we, first stage, we tried to have those robots from other regions and we just just put our software. But during COVID-19, we recognized there is another challenge. There was the supply chain management. Many countries, they said, no, I will focus on my local market. This is very powerful platform and I need to support my healthcare, my community. Unity, my. So we found that we need to do something. So we start building our own disinfection service robot and we get 
support from the government to manufacture the robot in the local market. So, and we were very successful to have a complete something we call it robotic management system. We have also the disinfection service robot with two factors disinfection using UVC light, which is very effective, and the disinfectant sprayer. And we have a complete ecosystem to manage this disinfection service robot. So we were able to build the robot completely here and support our customers in their, uh, in their, in their program to bring people back to offices or to schools. About senior home, like we, we were focused before COVID-19 about how to keep uh, seniors engaged, how to entertain seniors using service robots, how to connect seniors with their family, which is very important. However, during COVID, we recognized that we, we have bigger challenge that we are we are not able to communicate as we need with our senior. The risk on the senior home were, <clears throat> were very high. We found the service robot uh, as a disinfection service robot has two functions. One, to be part of the disinfection process. Second, when the robot is not busy, to be at the door, greeting people, reminding people of the health practices, of the physical distancing, of the sanitization process. So the robot was busy during the working hours and after working hours to be part of the health and well-being of that environment. You've heard us talk about service robots and you're interested, you want to learn more, you want to get ahead of the curve, how do you do that? If you look to robotics, there will be a spectrum of different jobs and roles to enable service robots in different organizations. Yes, the main robotics design and development, maybe it's a branch of engineering to be able to like come up with a new capability to support robotics or adding additional functionalities. But the market will also have more job-related robotics operations like robotics maintenance, robotics management, and I can tell you there are about how to manage the robotics identity. Like when we were enrolling any new robots, we found the big thing, what, what we will call this robot, how we will manage the robot. So it's not only about engineering and software development of the robot, but how you will support the robot uh, life cycle management end to end, starting from the enrollment of the first robot to the last step where you will decommission. In the fall of 2020, George Brown College launched an online certificate program in service robotics to address the growing demand for skilled professionals in that sector. We have in the program that we did it, uh, the completed program that we did it with Georgia Brown about service service robot, which is the first uh, educational program about service robot. There are, I think, two program, two courses about technology of the like the main component about the sensors, about actuator, the software, AI. And there are two courses about something related to the design of the robot, like more about the creativity. The, and of course, number four, about the business, how to think of business a problem that you will try to solve. Because the, you don't want to bring just a new technology to the organizations. You need to find what kind of business problem we will be able to solve to support a human. It's time to take a look at the future want ads. Yes, kids, listen up, because these could be the jobs you'll be applying for when you grow up. In this segment, we ask our guests to outline a job they think should exist in the future. Okay, Rami, what have you got for us? HR expert in robotics. What will this person do? In HR, like in a human uh, resource where we, we need people 
to know what is the impact of service robot on uh, our uh, organization, where the people who can put in new policies, in new practices, new guidelines to make sure like we'll, we'll be able to address all those questions. So when we adopt those service robots, they are, we are ready from not only from technology, but also from HR. So I need, I think I saw a couple of domains like we were talking about, like we give identity to robotics, how to deal with robotics from like taxes, how we will deal with robotics when we automate a certain uh, process, how we will deal with the taxes, how we will deal with the operations, with the, with the performance of people. Like, so all this, this domain, we need subject matter experts in those, in those domains who understand the, the legacy and the current practices and have vision how we will in, in use those advanced technology to empower our enterprise organization. What kind of education would be required for this job? I think this will be mixed between uh, like high level technology, understanding of the technology and uh, understanding of the organizational change management and HR. I think this kind of mix, because when the robot will do any mistake, how who will be accountable, who will be responsible, if the human uh, like conduct any challenges because of programming the robotics, I think that kind of mix between understanding of the evolving practices and technologies, have good understanding of organizational change management and the cultural management, plus some touch of the HR. That's a wrap on this episode of WorkShift. What did you think? Want to share your thoughts on this episode? Email us at workshift at georgebrown.ca. Get in touch and we might share your thoughts during our next episode. This podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at George Brown College. We want to thank Rami Wiebe and Tanya Spazich for sharing their thoughts with us. It's the end of your work shift. Thanks for listening.